0: Welcome to the Beers and Ears Podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears Podcast. My name is Casey, and right about now is when Matt would say, My name is Matt. But Matt's not here today and you're probably going what how is Matt not here it's like episode number 49 and he's never missed an episode well I want to say congratulations to my buddy Matt and his wonderful wife on the newest addition to their family, uh, born last night on the day that we're recording this, uh, very happy uh, for the addition of his new daughter and, uh, he will be back in just a couple of episodes, but congratulations, Matt. I am so excited for you. Uh, I know you are enjoying every minute with your new, the new little one in your family. So that said, we still have shows to do and I have brought on, um, a very special guest, someone I have known. I think I've known you since 2002. I mean, it it goes back to college. Uh, And this is our really good friend, uh, Amber. Hi, Amber. Welcome on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. And Amber um, has been a fan of the show, I mean, almost since the beginning. I want to say you've been listening to us from the start. And and the reason why we brought Amber on, we're going to talk about the topic of the show in just a minute, but Amber, you have a blog and a pretty... Uh, influential one as far as I can tell. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and you know what that's about, how you started it, all that fun stuff?
1: Sure, thank you. My blog is thechaosmanager.com. I have three kids that bring a lot of chaos to my life, so I kind of talk about uh, what we do around the house, fun recipes that they like, activities, and then we also really enjoy traveling as a family, uh, particularly to Disney World. So I kind of talk about different travel advice I have for other families because traveling with kids can be daunting.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. And and like I said, I've known you since 2002. Your husband, who I've known, also uh, we, we were in college together. He I was an RA and he was one of my residents of all things, which I think is just hilarious. So, um, but the reason why we brought uh reason why we brought Amber on is because you guys travel to Disney. On a regular basis, and we had a request from one of our listeners of the show, someone I used to work with, Corey, uh, a few weeks back, who had said, hey, here's a really good idea for a pod episode. Let's talk about traveling to Disney with kids, especially if you're planning it for the first time. And I specifically waited to do this when I knew Matt was going to be out, because both Matt and I have never planned a trip where it's like small kids. I mean, I went with my family, my, my brother and sister-in-law had two kids at the time and I, and I kind of went with them and planned a family trip, but even then it wasn't my family. It wasn't the typical, stereotypical family trip to the parks. And so the first person I want to do, I reached out to you a month ago, I think it was and said, Hey, would you want to do this? while Matt's out. And you said, absolutely. And, and I truly appreciate that. And I think you're going to be able to bring some much needed insight into somebody who might be listening to the show who has never planned a Disney trip with kids. Uh, Does that sound pretty fair?
1: You know, people ask me about this all the time and it's, it's a rabbit hole. I warn them. So I am full of answers for as many questions as anyone has.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. Well, let's start at the, you know, let's begin with the end in mind and let's just start at the beginning here, which is, you know, Disney trips probably more than any other trip out there. I mean, all trips need planning, but Disney trips need Uber planning, like COVID accepted. Let's kind of talk normal times. Um, if you're not planning a Disney trip at least six months in advance, you're missing out on some major things. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, yeah, you, you're going to want some Excel spreadsheets here.
1: Um. <laughs>
0: you look like me, quite the wonk. That's how I am. So <laughs>
1: yes. um, So if you are thinking about Disney, I think the first thing you have to do is start looking at what that actually entails. Um, because, you know, some people want to go to Disney and they think Magic Kingdom, one day done. Mm. And really, you could spend easily seven to 10 days there and still not do everything. So you kind of have to set your expectations, set your budget um, and start from there
0: for sure. Yeah. I think that that's, I love what you just said about setting your budget and and really setting expectations. And and we've said this a couple times. I think this was one of the rants I had on a previous episode, which is if you're going to go to Disney expecting and thinking you're going to get everything done in the, in the visit, I've been to Disney 10 times in the last 10 years, and I've still not done everything. So, like, that just tells you not just the static stuff that's there all the time. I'm talking the stuff that's constantly changing, too. And so I think what you just said there, and I want you to go a little bit deeper into that, set your expectations and set your budget. So let's talk a little bit about the budget piece for a moment. because. A lot of times people will look and say, oh, my God, a Disney vacation is completely out of reach for a family. And yes, it's expensive. But can you talk about, you know, how, you know, how do you go about setting a budget for what to expect? How do you go about saving for it? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. It kind of goes back to where we started here, um, starting ahead of time. You know, I start looking at our Disney trip one to two years ahead of time. We've been lucky enough to kind of been going every other year. COVID has screwed that up for us greatly, but that's all right. Um so, you know, what hotel do you want to stay at? Do you want to stay on property and be in the Disney bubble and you never have to leave and drive when you're exhausted at the end of a park day to some other hotel? You know, that that can greatly change what your budget looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the most important to you? Are you going to eat every meal with the characters? Are you going to eat mm. peanut butter and jelly that you bring from your hotel room? There are a lot of different factors, so it honestly... It might be something where you set your budget first and then see what parts of Disney fit into it. Is this yeah. a once in a lifetime trip for you? Are you never going to go back? Is this something you want to do every six months? A lot of those decisions can go into all of this.
0: Yeah. You know, and you know, back to that whole, do you stay on property or do you stay off property? You know, a lot of times people will try to shortcut the process and say, well, I'm going to stay off property and save money. But there's a lot of factors that go into that. And a lot of times it's not as much of a savings as you think. Right. When you stay off property, you've got to rent a car. Uh, when you stay off property, there are typically resort and parking fees that are usually more than what you will experience at a Disney resort. And then there's the convenience factor of what you just said. If you've got two young kids or three young kids or however many you've got at the end of a long day at the Magic Kingdom, you know, nine ten o'clock at night as you're exiting the park, you've been in the hot sun all day. First, you got to tram out to your car and then you got to drive home. and And you would think. Okay, I'm you know a lot of these places will advertise oh a mile away from Disney property. That doesn't sound far, but when you're in a traffic jam of 30,000 cars or however many cars mm-hmm. there are, you know, in on the roadway, you're looking at another hour to hour and a half to get off property sometimes. So, having that convenience factor of you know being on property while it may be a little bit more expensive, sometimes it actually pans out to be a better value for you in the long run. Right so let's talk about the expectations game because you know when i go with adults if it's just me and my fiance nate or if it's me you know my friends and i have gone before where's been four of us right oftentimes we're going for the same things right you know we we, we have nostalgia we want to ride some of the really fun like crazy adventure rides like space mountain and then there's also you know drink around the world at Epcot, right mm-hmm. when you're Taking kids, especially young kids who are, you know, 12 and under, which all of your kids are, you, that those aren't the activities you're planning. I mean, not your 11-year-old so your, your might be starting to get into like Space Mountain, things like that, but your 8-year-old, maybe not, definitely not your 2-year-old, right? right? So talk to me a little bit about how you set up the expectations game with you, your husband, your family. How does all that go?
1: You know, if we're taking the kids, it's definitely a trip for them. Um, My husband and I enjoyed the food aspect more so when we're with the kids. Um, And luckily, if you're eating in a Disney restaurant, you can have a four or five star meal for yourself and your kids can still get chicken fingers and french fries. Yeah, that is nice. (laughs) And then, you know, as far as the expectations for the kids, it's kind of what did they want to do? And then you as a parent have to figure out how you're going to make that happen for them. Do they want to eat with Mickey mouse? Okay. Well that, you know, well, let's eat with Mickey mouse. And that being said, don't promise your kids anything. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, Disney is ever evolving, ever changing. Um, you know, a ride can go down for refurbishment. My husband yeah. has never read uh ridden, Splash Mountain. We have gone several oh. times and it has never worked out. And oh. now of course they're revamping it.
0: <laughs> well, you hopefully got a little bit of time on that and right. maybe you'll make it down beforehand. It's right. like my favorite ride of all time. No, so right. it's
1: just never worked out for him to be able to wow. ride
0: it. Um, Jeez.
1: Same thing, you know, everyone says they're gonna go to Cinderella's castle. It's that iconic moment. You better be awake at 5.30 a.m. the day of dining reservations, which is a whole different animal to discuss, um, yeah. to try and get that reservation. Just you can't promise anything to your kids because you never know what's going to happen when you're there.
0: Yeah. You know, to that point, you know, when, when I'm sure there were some listeners who are not Disney veterans listening right now. Sure. But when we said plan at least six months out, you they probably went and went, wait, what? What are you talking about? Why so far? And you said a one to two years out. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the reason why people don't understand that, right? So one to two years out, first of all, that's for starting to kind of start your budget. You're probably not going to let your family know that you're doing right. that that far in advance. But, you know, if you want to start saving X amount per week or X amount per paycheck, that's why you're really starting that, that far out. Plus, let's be honest with you, when you're leaving Disney, it is the best way to kind of not get the Disney hangover of, Oh my God, I miss Disney is to start planning your next trip.
1: So, So,
0: so then as you get closer, you know, about a year out, You know, flights start to open up. You can start to book your resort reservation. Actually, one of the really cool things that Disney does is if you book your resort reservation, you can cancel up to, I want to say it's 72 hours in advance and get all your money back if you wanted to. And furthermore, uh, you are able to, if if things, if prices go cheaper or there's a dining discount or something, especially if you're working with a travel agent, they're watching this stuff for you. But even if you're not, you can pay attention you're always eligible for the best price right Absolutely. So don't feel bad about that but why are we saying this far out because that six month mark which you just said in order to get some of the most sought after dining reservations and you named one of them cinderella's mm-hmm. royal table uh that is probably the most sought after dining reservation on property although i have my own personal opinions on whether it's <laughs> worth it. different story altogether but first If you've never ate there, it is a rite of passage. It is a Disney rite of passage, right? If you're not up at, like you said, 5.30 in the morning, I think the reservations start at 6 or 7. I can't remember.
1: Eastern time.
0: Yeah. If you're not right on it and you're You're not there for probably the first 30 minutes, you're not getting a reservation. And to what you said, promising your kids that they can dine with the princesses in the castle and then not being able to deliver on it. That's a, you know, that's a blow that can, that can hurt. So you got to be prepared to do the field work a little bit. Exactly. So as far as like choosing what you do, so dining, you know, if you're going to do a lot of character dining, do you find that you and your husband often, um, do the dining plan, is that worth it to you as a mother and father of, of, of kids?
1: To us personally, it is because, like I said, we enjoy the food. So we like going and ordering anything off the menu and knowing mm-hmm. it's already paid for. Uh, that being said, every trip I have planned, I've booked it ahead of time and watched those deals like a hawk. And we have gotten really good deals. We've gotten free dining. We've gotten incredible hotel upgrades. Um, if you wanna be obsessive about it, you can really make the system work for you. (laughs) So that's another thing to kind of think about is how much do you care about saving a couple hundred dollars? Um, you know, how much work you want to put into it is how much you can get out of a Walt Disney World trip.
0: Yeah, and and to that point I'll also say, you know, we had Chris Wood from Mouse and More Travel on here several months back, good friend of mine. Um you know a lot of people think oh if i'm going to use a travel agent i got to pay extra money no if you nope. book through a travel agent you're not paying extra money at all they're going to watch that stuff for you that's what that's what they do they make their money from disney disney pays them a royalty but it costs you nothing extra so think about it you book directly through disney don't use a travel agent you're having to do all that work yourself cost you the same amount of money than if you were to go through a travel agent and they were to do all that work for you and you're also helping out an independent you know person who's trying to put their kids through college or whatever now that said you don't have to relinquish complete control either that's what's great about a disney vacation they can start the work for you they can monitor the stuff but you get to have all the fun you get to book the fast passes you get to figure out where you want to go for the day and you can just tell the travel agent and they'll they'll do it all for you um have you have you used a travel agent or do you typically find that you're the one doing it yourself
1: we used a travel agent once um and it was fine everything went great um and but i am just kind of like i said i get my excel spreadsheet i'm a little more type a I like to be on top of it and i enjoy it i i enjoy figuring out you know how we can eat at this restaurant and get to yeah. this show and make it all work
0: uh, it awful. sounds yeah.
1: not fun when you say it like that but if you put in all the legwork that's what makes it fun especially yeah. when you have kids in tow because you can't fly by the seat of your pants at disney world or that's those are all the people we laugh at in the park Is all the parents yelling at their children. <laughs> um, we kind of get a kick out of that because they're the ones that didn't plan and their kids having a 2 PM meltdown and it's just, it's not fun then. And then you wasted all of that money.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's dive into a couple of um, just kind of like, quick lightning round questions here and things that people maybe want to know. So let's start with this. Do you typically prefer to stay on property or off property as a parent of of, of children?
1: We are on property people, 100%.
0: Where do you usually like to stay? Value resorts, moderate, deluxe? What's your favorite?
1: We've done some of each. Our favorite has got to be the Yacht Club. It's a deluxe resort. Um, right. You can take the boat in and out of places. You can walk from Epcot, which is amazing to not have to wait for transportation. Yeah,
0: I'm that's
1: right. definitely been our favorite. Um, they also have the whole water park there, that's part of your resort. But yeah, we've now they got it. the
0: Skyliner there now too. Yes, right? Yeah, yeah, we haven't been there right since right the, the Skyliner. Right yeah, good. So you so you're an on property like the Yacht Club. Uh, Do you have a favorite moderate or favorite uh, value resort? We stayed, the moderate we've
1: stayed at is the Caribbean Beach and it was fine. I do not, however, recommend it because at the end of the night, there are multiple bus stops. Uh, So you are waiting possibly for even longer to get back to your hotel. And I know I have had a sleeping child on top of me on those buses (laughs) and you just want to make it back to the hotel room. Yeah, okay. um, same thing we've stayed value and that's fine too you know you can stay whatever works for your budget obviously if you're in a deluxe hotel it's that much more of a decadent vacation um if you are going to stay in a value hotel kind of a thing to spring for maybe if you have it in the budget is a preferred room so you are closer mm. to the
0: yeah absolutely pool view pool view rooms are fun too but just keep in mind a lot of times those pools are open late so you know if you're get back from a resort early or whatever, maybe you're trying to get some sleep and you're on a pool view side, you're going to get a lot of noise. So just just be aware of that too. Okay. So now let's talk length of stay for somebody who's got a family of four family of five that they're planning. uh, They want to, you know, first trip, maybe they're not going to hit the resort for four or five years after this. Um, They want to hit all four of the parks, uh, maybe even do a water park possibly. What is your recommended length of stay for something along those lines?
1: I think doing a 10 day trip would be pretty much in the sweet spot. We have not been lucky enough to do that. We are definitely the people that cram it all into one week Um, and it's exhausting. (laughs) So I would recommend if you have the time, take a day off in the middle, have a resort day or go to the water park and chill out or go play putt putt golf yeah, or Disney, um, Springs, Disney even. Springs, too, to just kind of walk around and not have a bunch of reservations and fast passes to be running back and forth to.
0: So while we're on that topic, um, two other follow up questions here. Follow up question number one, a lot of people who don't understand how Orlando and The theme parks work down there is a lot of times they think oh disney and universal are right next to each other and you know if we're going to go down for a disney trip we might as well also hit up universal orlando Mm -hmm. while we're down there as well and i always caution people against that to say that that is a whole nother beast to tackle because a you got to plan transportation over there b you're not getting any discounts for going to a different park where you know i always tell people look if you're looking for two extra days of fun you can oftentimes get two extra days added at Disney for minimal cost. Right. Versus if you try to do a Islands of Adventure and Universal Orlando day, that's you know that right there is almost another two hundred and some dollars or more per person to add on for both those tickets, and you got to plan transportation over there, and they don't have a fast pass system because you're not staying on property. If you're staying on property with Orlando, you can get actually get onto their Max Pass or whatever they call it over there. But I always tell people, if you really want to go to Universal, plan that as a separate trip. That could be a Universal Orlando and two or three days in the Orlando area trip
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus trying to do it all at once. Because, again, it's exhausting. Would you agree with that? Oh,
1: 100%. It is, it is a vacation you need a vacation from. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's, you walk and walk. Um, it's completely worth it. Every time we're driving home, we have always driven. Um, So every time we're driving home, we are next time we want to do this next time we wouldn't do this again. You know, we're always planning the next time. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's definitely exhausting, but
0: worth it. So let's talk about like kind of what a day looks like. You know, we talked about if possible, and again, I cannot stress this enough, even if you're doing a week long trip, you know, you know, you hit you hit Magic Kingdom, Epcot, you know, uh, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios. That's four days. You got two other technical days. Usually, it's you know, six days, seven nights, or however that works. Mm-hmm. You talked about having that middle of the week kind of respite, which I cannot di- I cannot agree with you more. There. Let's talk about a day though, and are you a sun up to sundown, no rest in between? Do you advocate going early in the morning, taking a break, and going back later at night? What is what is your typical day? How does that look? We go with what our
1: kids are used to. I have early risers. Well, two out of okay. three anyway. And then you know, my third is just so excited to be there that she she'll get up and go along with the flow. Um, but we are definitely early riser, rope drop people. Um, it's, it's so worth it to be there at the beginning of the park. The Magic Kingdom has, you know, kind of the opening show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you get something, a special show or character, that sort of thing. If you're the first ones there for other parks, we've been the first family to walk into Epcot and met Ooh. the security guard before. We've been the first family to go into Animal Kingdom. It's, it's just a nice way to start the day before the hustle and bustle of the park is already in full force yeah. and the lines are over. Um, you can up. Yes, the temp is so much better. <laughs> um, we are, we might have one or two days where we would eat breakfast, like a character breakfast, but for the mm. most part, we eat on our way to the parks, just kind of okay, grab so like a granola butter.
0: or something exactly.
1: like that. Exactly. Or eat, um, we've brought like cups of oatmeal that you can use the hot water that sort of thing in your room Uh, it's really easy you can even do ordering groceries if you are flying in Uh, they do a lot of grocery delivery there but so we start early in the morning um, and get there before the park opens and that has always worked best for us but we also don't stay until park closes we are out of there around eight or nine o'clock at night because our kids are tired and we're tired And we're going to get up and do it again the next day.
0: (laughs) So do you, do you take a break in between or do you go that whole day? We go the whole day, but we also always,
1: pretty much always make sure we have a sit down restaurant somewhere in the day, get in the air conditioning, kind of chill out for a little bit, enjoy a meal. Um, You know, if you have younger kids, there are a lot of rides they can't go on so they can take a nap in the stroller uh, which I do recommend bringing a stroller, even if you have like a six or a seven-year-old, oh, bring yeah. that stroller. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, so what I
0: was going to say is this, you know, there are a lot of strategies out there. And and again, we are literally just scratching the surface. When Amber and I were planning this, she's like, this could be a two-hour show. And I'm like, easily, it could be a two-hour show. But when it comes to strategy, first of all, you got to know your kids.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: your kids are not, going 12 hours a day, normally don't think they're going to go 12 hours a day simply because they're in a Disney park in the hot scorching sun with sensory overload on everything and everything they've ever wanted is right there in front of them. That's going to even make it even crazier in some cases, right? So you have to plan those moments of, I'm going to get them out of the sun. I'm going to get them away from the music. I'm going to get them away from some of the sensory stuff. Now, some of this could be, like you said, a sit-down restaurant. You know, Magic Kingdom, just using Magic Kingdom as an example, um, they've got a couple of great sit-down restaurants, and they've even got one restaurant that, while it's still considered a table service, I like it because it's still in air conditioning, it's cool, and you can find a quiet spot if you eat at the right time. So you could go to Crystal Palace and eat. Lunch with Winnie the Pooh and friends, right? Now that might be a lot of sensory there. So maybe you say, okay, I don't want to do character. You could go to a Liberty Tree Tavern, one of my absolute favorite restaurants on property, because it's like a Thanksgiving dinner, it's air conditioned, it's quiet. And for kids, you know, you can just relax for a little bit. Or if you want to go something a little bit cheaper, and I don't know if you you, I'm sure you've been there before, but Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. And you know, we never have been there. <laughs> I highly recommend it because, especially if you go after, like, the lunch rush, if you go at, like, one or two sure. when the lunch rush has ended, you can find a quiet corner, pull a couple tables together, and it's air-conditioned to the max, and rest for a half an hour. And you get great views of the castle by doing so. It's quiet if you get the quiet corner, if you get away from um, um, uh, the the... the the cosmic ray, whatever his name Yeah. The guy, uh, (laughs) the alien playing the piano. Um, but you know that, and that's true really in any of the parks that you go to, you can find respites like that. I also find shows can do that too. Um, you need a respite for 20 minutes, go check out carousel of progress. Uh mm-hmm. or or you wanna, you know, keep the kids entertained, go to Mickey's Fill Her Magic for a while. If you're even if you're waiting in line for twenty minutes, you are in air conditioning. There's lots of fun stuff to look at. It's calming. It is a great place to get the kids rested for a little while.
1: Absolutely. And to the air conditioning uh point as well, I know a lot of times you can't bring a stroller into a restaurant. Mm-hmm. However, if your child is sleeping, they will let you bring your child in with you. So you don't have to wake them up to drag them into a restaurant and have a cranky kid with you. Just yeah, order them idea. the meal, take it to go, let your kids sleep if they sleep.
0: And if you don't want to lug a stroller in terms of like, you know, if you're flying or whatever, mm-hmm. Disney rent strollers too. We, you know, we did that when we took Lily and Blake and, and they... They were just fine. I mean, they um, they used it on occasion. Sometimes they didn't use it. My mom used it to push, which was great for her. Um, when we've gone adult trips before, we've rented a wheelchair because sometimes it's just nice to have a place to sit down. You know, oh, as you're walking around.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, We have. I have older kids, obviously, and a younger kid. And once you outgrow the stroller stage, you also lose your pack mule. So if you're bringing kids in, you're going to have snacks with you. You're going to want to bring extra clothes with you. Mm -hmm. Just as an adult, you bring sunscreen and that sort of thing. So it's nice to have a stroller to store all that. Make sure the strollers don't get in there. But (laughs) otherwise, you know, it's just nice to have somewhere to keep that. Um, And then Disney rent strollers. Also, there's other companies that will rent really nice strollers. So that's what we have gone with.
0: And, and I will say this too, you know, if obviously you're packing a bag, you know, when you're with adults, a lot of times you don't have to pack a bag. I try to travel light myself. I'll put my ID and my credit card and some cash in my phone case and I'll just take my phone with me and I'll take nothing else. That way I don't have to go through bag check. But if you have kids, you're going to have to do that. That's another thing to keep in mind, bag check. Is mm-hmm. going to be something that might slow you down earlier in the day, or 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 if you're park hopping, which was going to be one of my other questions here. As a new person to Disney, someone who's playing with kids, do you recommend someone who's going to Disney for the first time to park hop, or not?
1: We did it our first time, uh, but only once. So we okay. tend our strategy is to hit up all four parks. Yeah. And then on our last day, our two of our favorite parks are the magic kingdom and Epcot. Um, so we kind of split half and half on our last day. And I think if you, as long as you're going to get to all the parks at least once, that'll be okay. Um, but if it's not in your budget, it's not in your time frame. you're not missing anything.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, copy is about 80 bucks a ticket. Um, you know, and the more days you add, the more that goes up—not mm-hmm. eighty dollars a day. But you know, you figure eighty to one hundred dollars a ticket for a average, you know, five, you know, ticket trip or something. So you got a family of five, right? That's an extra five hundred dollars. Now you have to ask yourself: Am I am I willing to pay the five hundred dollars?
1: Exactly.
0: You know that that it just to have the convenience of park hopping. And Matt has discussed this on the show before, which is. One of not only is money valuable to you while you're down there, but time is an asset to yes. you. And park hopping often means that you've got to have an hour commute. You know, they always say anywhere. An on yep. anywhere on property. And that's I mean, that's bare minimum. Sometimes it can be longer. Um, I've seen buses take 30 minutes to get a new bus and then you got to go a 20 minute drive, drive wherever you're going. And then you got to go through security again and you got to go through bag check again. And so, yeah, to your point, if you're not going to use it, you don't have to add it when you initially buy the tickets. If you think you're going to use it, once you get down there, you can always add it on later.
1: You um, do usually have to have it um, if you're going to do like one of the free dining deals, which yes, always you do. something else just to kind of see, is it worth it to you? How much are you going to eat? <laughs> um, is it worth it adding that park hopper? So yeah. you do, you got to pack everything up. Uh, you can't keep your stroller open on a bus. So that's something else to consider mm-hmm. as far as that as well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, as we kind of, kind of wrap around the show I can't believe it's been 30 minutes already as we kind of wrap around and kind of get to the end of the show I I think the name of the game here is as you said at the very beginning Amber you got to set your expectations and you got to be if you're not willing to do the work yourself get somebody to do it for you yes because again planning a Disney trip you know a month out can you do it yeah, you could you could feasibly get a hotel room. You're going to pay rack rate. Uh, you could feasibly get dining reservations to some of the subpar restaurants. Um, you could even get some fast pass reservations which wouldn't even really touch in this show, but they're going to be for some of the rides that always have fast pass reservations and yeah if you're willing to get up every morning and check it and check it and check it and see if something's opened up you might the bigger the family the less likely the smaller the family the more likely right the point is the earlier out you plan the more likely you are to really enjoy your trip and see that you're getting your money's worth yes any other thoughts that you want to add amber before we close out the show I think it's
1: what, what we we're saying.
0: Plan ahead.
1: Um, there's just there's so many different strategies and things and ways to think about a Disney trip that it sounds overwhelming. It sounds like it's not fun. I've talked to so many people that think we're crazy, that it's ridiculous to spend this kind of money and time and effort. To us, it is 100% worth it. There's magic there. And when you bring your kid, it doesn't matter how old. My kids don't remember their first trip, but I do.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's so worth it to That's awesome. And one last question for you. I mean, obviously, you weren't always a Disney expert. No. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you weren't um, always uh, this well versed in Disney. So, let me ask you this What resources do you have any recommendations for people planning trips? where they can go to get some more detailed information. I mean, does your blog have any of that on it? And if your blog does, that's awesome. And then secondly, do you have any other secondary resources?
1: I actually have my, this is my only Disney post that I made before COVID. And then I got a little discouraged, Um, but I have an entire post on my blog about resources to start planning your Disney trip. There are books, there are websites. I listed your podcast as one of them. Um, so there, there is so much out there. Just be careful. Don't pay some random person money to uh, give you information or coupons. There are no really coupons to Disney. So there are people like that out there. Um, but there are just big books to start with. If you want to start that way, um, there's a website called Kenny the Pirate. He is very knowledgeable. He's fantastic for once you're actually planning your trip it can be a little overwhelming uh, to just jump in there but there are so many resources out there Um, just kind of sticking around some web pages and some facebook groups you'll get to know the lingo and get familiar with what you need to know before you go
0: yeah and if you are interested in using a travel agent and you're looking for someone who's reputable amber's right you don't have to pay anything out of pocket beyond what you would pay if you were booking a trip yourself. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And to your point, Amber, there are no such things as, uh, oh, free or reduced tickets through this. third. It doesn't work that way. That's usually a scam. Disney doesn't work that way. Uh, so don't fall for that. If you're looking for a reputable travel agent to use, I recommend uh, Chris Wood and her team at Main Street and More Travel. I have sent multiple family and friend mem- fr- uh, fr- friend. Multiple family members and friends over to them on a regular basis, and they're consistently delivering an outstanding. Experience. And again, you're not paying anything extra. You can have as much control or as little control as you want, and they will plan the trip of your dreams. And right now, guys, I'm telling you, these are real people. They're trying to feed their families. And with COVID, it's disrupted everything, as you know, including the travel agency. They're trying to bounce back. So, again, if this is something you're thinking you want to target for 2021 or even 2022, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but it's only 18 months away um, or less than 18 months away this is a this is a time to start looking at that as Amber has pointed out uh, Amber one more time tell us what your blog is um, and uh, so that way people know how to get there. Sure
1: it's thechaosmanager.com. chaosmanager.com um, I'm on Twitter as well at manager
0: underscore chaos beautiful and again please follow her she's got some fun witty posts um and again she again that post that she uh she had talked about i'm gonna get that from you amber and we'll get it posted up in our facebook group too thank you um Okay, so it is closing time. I would like to thank Amber for being our special guest today. I think we just scratched the surface, but again, to learn more, check out her blog um, or some of the resources that we pointed out today. If you want to get a hold of us here at Beers and Ears, you can do so by checking out the Beers and Ears podcast Facebook group. We have just about... 500 members or close to it that now. So, God, definitely a great community growing there. You can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram, beersears1928. And if you want to email us, beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Uh, Matt says this every podcast, so I'm going to do my best, Uh, please, if you haven't already jumped on to your podcast of choice, your subscription of choice, please rate and review us five stars, five stars. It helps get us up there in the rankings. And um, please share us with your friends. Uh, the more people who subscribe to us, the more we're known and, and we enjoy doing what we're doing or we wouldn't be doing it. So uh, very excited. Thank you so much, everyone. Let's go ahead and raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. Amber, thank you so much. And we we'll see everybody again real soon. Have a great day.